I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Dirt on Flowers. I, uh, Shannon, you know how we always start the show and we're like, what do we talk about? What do we talk about? I was getting (laughs) ready. I'm like, I have so much. I feel like I'm going to have to just trim. I have so much to talk about and tell you. Well, first I I worked the farmer's market this weekend. I saw. I know. I dropped a social media bomb. I was not prepared for the so feedback that I got. Yeah. Yeah. But I really, I know you still work a fair amount of your markets. Do you? Yeah. If we, if we are available, we work it. Yeah. See, Mm -hmm. and I have, I have sort of transitioned myself out of them because that you were usually running a workshop or I've Mm -hmm. got a U-pick going on. So I don't always get to the farmer's market. So I really, our sales had been down for a couple of weeks and I thought, I want to get a pulse on like what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, I'm not saying it's my customer, my sales girl. I yeah. just wanted to get a feel for the market. And I was so, I felt so energized after being with all the customers and people coming up and talking mm-hmm. to us and getting to have that customer interaction. And it was like right on the heels, we did our uh, CSA member appreciation night oh, on Friday. So yeah. I had like two back to back, like hype nights of yes. just fun stuff the on the farm. Yeah. Yes. So it was, Aww. I'm feeling refreshed this yeah. week. I needed yeah. to do that. So it always feels so good when you get to hear mm-hmm. from your customers. And there's something about, I, I don't care like what business really, I think this goes for all businesses, but there's something people want to talk to the person who owns the business. Yeah. And a lot of people get our newsletters and me and you, we have kind of similar newsletters of the fact where mm-hmm. we like share some personal stuff about ourselves. So they feel like they know us yeah. Yeah. In, a, in, a, in a strange way, yeah. but we yeah. share. It's good. But then they're always like, because if uh, Maddie or Rachel or someone does the market, a lot, she's like, yeah, everybody asks, where's Shannon and Judge? Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's just they like connecting with you. I mean, they still, because mm-hmm. it was just us at the beginning. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of them formed a relationship with you before employees went to the farmer market. So yeah. it's fun. Yeah. the Sean worked the market with me mm-hmm. and I put it out on social and uh, we yeah. sold out by like 1045. Oh, so now he's okay. saying it's because it's he him. was with me. Right. So we'll give it to him. We'll, <laughs> we'll let him have it. That's fine. His blue eyes sold a few bouquets. Yes. I am sure of it. So, but that was fun. So I, I feel like this, this week I was feeling a little more energized after doing that. Good. So yes. And I'm sure there's people listening, like doing that farmer's market every week. Like I want somebody <laughs> to work it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's, it's true in both and you know, you got to get a break from it to really appreciate it. But okay. And so then the next thing I yeah. want to talk about is that you and I've chatted about this, but I, th- I feel like for our listeners to kind of get a pulse on what's going on with the industry, a little bit of industry news, we're getting some feedback just from our bulb suppliers that mm-hmm. there's been a lot of crop failure in the Netherlands for tulips. So, yes. I mean, it seems, you know, when you're hearing from a bulb supplier this early in the season already, you know, for 24, it's a little concerning. But 
I feel like this is a conversation we can kind of continue to have and maybe even do an episode on planning for 2024, spring Mm -hmm. of 24. I know it's on our list, but just ways to navigate that a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're saying, uh, you know, some of the varieties they're, you know, they've lost like up to 65% of total yield, which is, you know, they don't know what yet. I wouldn't be, you know, calling your bulb suppliers or anything quite yet. I think they don't know. I think they're going to, you know, they'll be hearing more in the coming weeks and months as like the harvest is going on for shipment. But I do know that it's definitely going to affect industry-wide on Mm -hmm. tulips. It's the early varieties that are coming out now, right? So, yeah. So I think, you know, I have been receiving some information from the bulb reps and they're being transparent with the communication. So mm-hmm. as a business owner, we have to start thinking about what's, what is our backup plan, which I don't know whether it's good or bad, but every year my tulip order never is exactly, exactly yeah. what I want it to be. So I feel like there is a lot of fluctuation with that and it's hard. Uh, subs and stuff are hard in the cut flower world because all, not all tulips are created equal. So I think yeah. that's really been my struggle is like subs. So we're going to really have to be watching our orders very closely and our order changes and stick up and say if we don't want a variety and that that's mm-hmm. what I need. I get too busy and then I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. And then everything shows up and I'm like, ah, yeah. why did we get yeah. this one? This why did I get a 10 inch Queensland tulip, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's like maximum height, 10 inches. And then you get a warm <laughs> winter and you're like, here's a three inch tulip for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I will say I am feeling like tulip gate last year really has me prepared. I feel a little more prepared. I don't know if that's a positive, but there's things that we can do now to plan for 24 for spring to be able to like fill in that gap, right. And Mm -hmm. mitigate that what could be a loss to what we're planning for, for spring. So we'll have more info on it, but they aren't sure if it's, if it's affected peony roots or daffodils, anything like that yet. That's still kind of like pending. Tulip Mm -hmm. is the, definitely the bigger crop. I don't know about that compared to peonies, but it's definitely for the cut flower world. It's pretty huge. But yeah, it just said that they, um, during the flowering times when it was very cold nights, it caused damage to the leaves and, you know, made things susceptible to botrytis and some other diseases Mm -hmm. that's, that's overall affected the the health of the crop. And then obviously the bulb. So yeah, we'll keep you posted. We'll turn it into a win, right? Tulips we, are just man. Tulips, tulips ain't easy. They are. They tough. say they are, but they are not easy. No. They're yeah. Farming, farming's not easy. It's a gamble. <laughs> Everything we it do is. is a gamble. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Tulips are tough. They are. Yeah. So you just yeah. have to equip yourself with the knowledge and put the work into knowing exactly what you're getting and being ready mm-hmm. to pivot at any moment. It yeah. replace replace tulip with any other crop. You know, like if I lost, I mean, Lysianthus or something, I would be like devastated. You know, there's a lot of crops that, so we just have to figure out what the pivot plan is, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I just saw there's a, I'm sure this shown up on other farmers feeds, but there's a reel out there that I believe that there's a guy on Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan talking about the happiest people on earth and that they're farmers. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, Have you seen this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, Okay, I get that. I can see the angle they're taking. But then there's also, you know, Farm Bureau has like an entire whole 
awareness piece on mental health with farming mm-hmm. because it's so stressful and, yeah. you know, just owning a business in general. So it's, yeah. uh, the, we do have a glamorous job in a lot of ways, but yeah. it's, there is a lot of stress and a lot of risk that comes with, yeah. with what we do too. So yeah. kind of talking about some of that today with our guests. So, yes. So it's a good, a good segue. Love when that yes. happens. So today, today we have a guest with us and who has had multiple businesses, runs an extremely successful business now out in Oregon. But today we're going to talk about the mental and emotional toll that just owning, starting a business can have on you and just how we kind of keep pushing forward with our business and our personal lives to kind of pursue those goals, how to find help, how to, you know, keep hitting goals. So Today, we're chatting with Ben Hanna of Heirloom Roses, and uh, Ben is the president and the owner of Heirloom Roses in St. Paul, Oregon, the premier nursery of our own root roses shipped directly from their farm to the customers all across the United States. He's the visionary behind Heirloom Roses, and they are constantly expanding the company, improving systems and procedures with customer service experience and gardening success in mind. Ben is a part of several startup businesses, so he knows what it's like to be in the trenches of the early years. So if you're listening to this, you know, we chatted a little bit before the podcast. I know the trenches. They're so gritty. It's such a good analogy because it's so true. (laughs) So today we're digging in with him to talk about how to run a successful business and keep your sanity while you're doing it. So Ben, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, excited to be here. Just uh, just the the hearing you two talk is is good. I think uh, you. I think we're similar mindset here of of what it takes to be successful farming and Mm -hmm. all the things that go into it. I mean literally wear a lot of different hats. So oh, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Good. And we're, we're always talking about like, there's no easy button <laughs> yeah. as much as we wish that there was, there is no easy button. I'm sure with running multiple businesses from, I mean, I think of like that startup is just so, it is so hard at the beginning, but I think it's like, it's a skill honestly. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that. But like it's a skill that we to learn how to overcome that and not like, be constantly like making any kind of criticism or whatever a step back for you, but just seeing how you're going refinement, you know, as the goal always is keep refining those things. So Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you were first inspired to start your own business and just your journey of how you've got gotten here. Yeah. Well, thank you. So I, um, I grew up on a small farm and my parents raised cattle. Okay. Um, So I grew, grew up raising cows. I had thought I wanted to be a veterinarian for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, college changed my mind and uh, I migrated <laughs> into business. I, uh, I I came out of college. I worked in commercial real estate and then I transitioned over to construction. And so I did, I, I did a lot of medical construction. I worked in hospitals and things. And then I went to work for an electronics startup doing product management. And that was a lot of my construction skills, but I would multiply them the, into a product what I liked is I, I, I got to build something and then I got to make it better over time. Mm-hmm. And so I, as I look back, I, I left the electronics company because I was traveling literally all over the world. We were very successful, but I had young kids at the time. We have, my wife and I have five children, all uh, about two years apart. And it was just insane. So, um, <laughs> uh, so we left there as part of a downturn. And I intentionally began looking for something that was a lifestyle change. And uh, I, I had been involved with startups, but I wanted to really own my own business. I took a year during that time and I managed a large commercial farm out of bankruptcy. 
And I learned a lot about, I knew, I knew ag and I was very comfortable having been in construction and in the trades to, to kind of do all the stuff that require is required on a farm. I mean, you, you do a lot of different things. You just oh, do. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I felt very comfortable with that, but I, what I learned a lot about was the banking side of things and mm-hmm. the legal side of things mm-hmm. and the cash flow side of things. It, it was a very much a deep dive into that. So in fact, I, I have an MBA, but I think that year I learned way more than I could have ever learned in an MBA program, mm-hmm. just having yeah. seen other people's messes and cleaning them up. So mm-hmm. during that time, then we, then uh, my wife and I went to go church with the, the brother of the former owner of Heirloom Roses. And she, he needed some advice on helping her sell her business. She was in her late seventies. And so I stepped in to kind of work with her. And over time I said, I think my advice is, I think we should buy the farm from you. And so <laughs> wow. it was a, it was a great, it was a good thing. It, it worked out really well. Uh, Louise Clements is the founder and uh, we're still in contact today. She, you know, she likes to come out and see what we've done and oh. it's been a really good relationship. So uh, a win for both of us. So, and that was yeah. 10 years ago. Wow. Okay. I was going to ask how long that's been. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you definitely learn if you're managing somebody else's books and you have to clean up somebody else's mess. You know, we, we talk about all the time in here. We, we oftentimes don't even talk about growing flowers because the more, I think the more important side of running a farm and making it profitable because farms just eat money mm-hmm. is managing the books and the finances and making sure you're on top of all that, which is not the the side that we all talk about, you know, or that we're you know putting out to the world and, and wanting to talk about like growing certain varieties. I mean, that's part of it. Managing mm-hmm. the crops is part of it, but definitely, you know, getting those finances under the control. So what it was a, it was an agriculture business and you, you took it over and yeah, pulled it out of the well, bank. Yeah, yeah. Heirloom roses. It was, it was, it was a rose nursery. John Louise grew cut um, roses from cuttings on their own roots and they're, they're big, Push and it still is today that we grow everything on their own roots. We don't do any grafting. And we do that because the rootstock in the United States has been infected with rose mosaic virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and actually, it's still this year, it cropped its head up pretty severely. And we've had a lot of virus outbreak, uh, not at our nursery, but we screen everything coming in. So any new variety that we're looking at, we screen. And we've had a lot of new varieties that, have, that we, we just don't grow because they're, they're infected with virus. But uh, so we grow, we grow roses from cuttings. Uh, we grow them all in a one-gallon container, and we ship anywhere with a U.S. zip code. So anywhere, all over the United States, 12 months out of the year. We're very blessed in Oregon to have four distinct seasons, but it's it, it, we can ship anywhere with no ag restrictions out of Oregon. So mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a very friendly state for nurseries. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you guys can grow some beautiful roses, too. I mean, I have, yeah. I have your roses here on my farm, but I... I don't post them because I don't think it would be representative of the beauty that you guys put out. <laughs> um, we grow organically. And so it's with the humidity, there's just so much disease pressure and things for us. Uh-huh. They, we, and there's a lot of bugging, but the blooms are beautiful and they're sitting on my kitchen counter right now. <laughs> um, but they're, I love them. They're beautiful. So yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So t- can you talk about the business that you kind of pulled out of bankruptcy too? Can you, yeah, I'm curious, curious about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I um, I won't name names, but it was a, it was a ten thousand acre farm, and it was a, a family members that well, I reported to a board of family members, and oh, they that were, sounds dysfunctional. They, it was awful. They were all raging alcoholics. Uh, they owned a, they owned several different aspects of farms, but they but the, what really got them in trouble is they borrowed a lot and they borrowed about forty million dollars to build a winery and a whole wine business. 
Oh, wow. And so I stepped into that. And then there's the whole romance side of the wine business that, you know, it's all great. Mm -hmm. and No one makes very few people make a lot of money at it. And so I, you know, I just learned a lot about that. And there's aspects of it that were a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was buying and selling, you know, grapes bulk and, you know, working with distributors to sell the wine and winemakers and all of that. And uh, yeah. that was great, Very cool. but it wasn't going to be a long-term fit for me. So, you yeah. know, yeah. Man, so what I, did they I, have I to offer you salary wise to get you to take that gig? And they're like, you have to report <laughs> to all of us. <laughs> I thought hey, I'll tell you that sometimes you go into things and you're naive and that's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing it. Uh, so that would be my, one of my first things to tell people that are starting a small business. Everyone gets in and you, there's always days you feel like you're in over your head mm-hmm. and it's just the nature of it. And you just kind of got to push through that. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Oh my gosh. So when I was chatting with Robin, so Robin Jennings is the manager of strategic partnerships at Heirloom Roses. And I've chatted with Robin about the podcast. They're sponsors of our podcast. And so she's wonderful, by the way. But she told me that you're the you're an idea man. And so has this part of your personality been what has like facilitated changes within the businesses that you've owned or... Um, how did you know when it's you know time to to make a change within a business that you've owned or heirloom roses, whatever, whichever one? Yeah, so um, I, I really enjoy new products. Uh, I enjoy being creative and coming up with new solutions. I, I actually part of being creative is just figuring out got a new way to do things. And so you know, our, as our nurseries grown over the years, we've had to change things so many different times, and just creative ways of processing processing the plants to ship out the door, what type of products we're offering, all of that requires creativity. So that's been good. I, we, we've refined our process now. We actually have a new product introduction process where we, we, we go through and we make sure that products that we're introducing are, are vetted. They've, you know, we've thought through all the details. They're going to hit our price points for our customers and hit quality and be profitable. And so, so that, that that's, comes with being a little bit bigger. Uh, when you're mm-hmm. when you're small, you kind of sm- you'd start by trial and error. Um, I have a funny story to tell. We my we had a retail store at our at, at the nursery, and I was in there working on a Saturday because I didn't have an employee or Sunday because I didn't have an employee show up to work. So I was down there and I was kind of bored. And so I told my wife I was going to sell buckets of manure because because manure is great to plant with roses. And she goes, "You're not going to be able to sell buckets of manure." So I had Ace Hardware buckets and I loaded them up with cow manure. Aged, it was old, good, good old yeah. coffee. And then I sold them all by lunchtime when I called her and I said, you owe me a coffee. And uh, so that whole thing has turned into just a whole a whole line of products where we sell aged cow manure, mint compost, uh, worm castings, all things that go with roses or go in your garden. And we yeah. try to sell them really high quality. Um, they're organic based in the Portland area, Portland, you know, Willamette Valley area here. And... Uh, and that's been fun. So, you know, I'm going to get kind of creative with that. Um, I have that's some great. friends that like to tease me that I sell crap. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, man, if you can make money selling crap, you yeah. were talking about you wanted to do beef earlier. There's I have said a few times this year, spring has been 2023 is challenging, Lindsay, just all around. And um, <laughs> and so a few times I've said, I think I'm just going to sell beef next year. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to close it up. I can make a living selling beef. I've even gone as far as Googling how to have a beef farm. So <laughs> we're still doing the oh I, I will tell you that 
I, we, we, ra- I, we, ra- we didn't have a big farm. We had about 20 head of cattle. And I, when I, my freshman year at college, I was gone about a month and my dad sold all of them because I was doing all the work. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so it wasn't our full-time, you know, thing. He had another thing going on, but uh, yeah. That's so nice. Do you think that every business needs an idea person? I, I, I think you have to, at some level, be creative. And you have to, because it's necessity is the mother of invention. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're a small business. You just have to be creative. You, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't just, you know, drum up money to fix things and, and do things you want to yeah. do. You have to get creative about it. And that, but I'll tell you that that creative process is really what defines you as a business. And um, it's also a, a, a hedge to competition. It creates, you know, it's, it's defines you who you are and who you are in the marketplace and makes you different. So. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone, you, you, can't, you can't have too many creative people or you don't get anything yeah. done. Yeah. But, uh, and you need to balance yourself. I certainly have a good team of people that are very different from me and balance me out well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think at some level you have to have that creative spark to mm-hmm. push you forward. Yeah, and I think we get uh, change. You know, we get uh, comfortable with what we're doing. And I, I think it's as business owners, we need to remember that change is good. And mm-hmm. it's necessary. And I, I do think that's what's made us successful in some ways because we'll feel a pain point or a pinch point and we can make a pivot. Even with a small example would be we just did our kids workshops and just changing the flow of where we started the kids and it made the workshop 30 minutes shorter. And I was like, I have to just, we got to trim some fat out of these. We're charging a minimal price, you know, um, Last year we, and it was as simple of like where they started in the field. And when we gave them that cookie in the juice box, we gave that to them on their door on the way out. We didn't, they didn't eat it at our, you know, we're not cleaning up their trash. Now we gave them the scavenger hunt and some crayons and a baggie with their cookie and juice box and sent them. And it was, it sounds like just, it was just a simple tweak, but those are the ways we're thinking all the time about how we're loading for market or how we're processing bouquets and, uh, you know, just making things more efficient in general to just speed things up and make the process easier. So yeah, changes. I think yeah. if you're a business owner, you should be always looking at, at creative ways to, you know, make your, make your business and, and you better. I also think you get to a point too with a business where you actually, as an owner, need to go in and break things. You need yeah. to go in and cause disruption because you're. Mm-hmm. It's, my employees are great, but they're gonna they're not gonna tear things apart if they've got it dialed in. But yeah. if you don't tear, tear some things apart once in a while, you won't get better. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you know you kind of got to go in and, and and challenge things and push them to do new things, and it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As the boss, I feel like we also feel those pain points deeper than mm-hmm. the employees. So it's like where they might not notice something going wrong. We're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe this is happening. Why is this? You know, we're internally, it's our job to see those things, but it is the competitive edge. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's what saves you time and dollars looking mm-hmm. at those things. And as the owners, it's like we have a lot of new farmers and sometimes they're so nervous to step into that role or they are downplaying what they're doing as the leader of the business. And Lindsay and I are like always talking about like having time to run our businesses, not having our businesses run us all the time. And it's so important. I mean, we have to be like, not the figurehead, but kind of, you know, we have mm-hmm. to keep pushing. No one's ever going to push, you know, the way that we're going to push 
push the business forward, not push our employees over the <laughs> over the edge. But but um, we just have such a like a, a, more of a keen sense of when something's not going right than the employees because you're they're just happy to follow the orders and move on. But it it is our job and it is our mm-hmm. responsibility to do that to disrupt. I believe that's yeah definitely. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them that tomorrow when they come in. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm shake some stuff everything. up. I can't wait. <laughs> They're like, what? Oh, Never mind. Yeah. Just go harvest the Lizzie. Get out there. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. So, so Ben, from the beginning, I mean, how were you able to grow and scale your business? Like, give us an idea about Heirloom Roses when you took it over year one. And then what are some of the major changes that you made to scale up? And how do people know when to scale up? I think that's their mm-hmm. that's their they just don't know when or they're terrified of what that next step looks like. So for you, like, how did you know that was going to be the next step and what did the steps look like? So I took over the business. And so in doing that, the first year I really had to rebuild the team and Mm -hmm. I really went through and quite frankly, I cleaned house on some people with, with the team. There were some people there that just what were not a value fit. And I just needed to do that. And then I found the, the the diamonds in the rough, the gems, the people that were doing hands-on work that were really sharp and wanted to take on more responsibility. And I started growing them and spending a lot of time coaching them and putting time into them as far as growing them as leaders, teaching them. And uh, three of those people are my key managers today. Uh, Ten years later, they're managing big teams and they're an integral part of our business now. So first, first year was getting the people right. The next year was really, we were going to work on the numbers, but really, really getting refined on where, where our expenses were. And, you know, you want to be hands-on with flowers, but you have to be hands-on with the money. And I tell people, you don't have to do it all the time, but you need to do it on a regular cadence. So my wife and I, one thing that we do to protect our marriage and stay strong is we sit and go through the books once a week together. Every Wednesday, 10 a.m., we, uh, I have a controller that's, that's, you know, gives us the, the reports and things. But we go through and look at all the money all every, together in the same format once a week. Mm-hmm. And that has been a good for our marriage. No one's surprised. If there's hard times, we, we can look out and see them coming. We don't get surprised uh, and make good decisions that way. One of the biggest changes we made was we used to grow the roses in a four-inch band pot, which was a conifer pot. And they were just very small plants that customers, I felt like, were having a hard time getting started in their yard. And so we made a transition to one-gallon containers. But that's a very disruptive change for our nursery because the whole nursery layout changes, all of our packaging changed. It was it was a big deal. So we stepped into it and I grew two greenhouses with one gallon containers just to see how the customers react to the pricing, how the how the plants would grow. And it took off. And so what we did is we, we I say, don't do big wholesale changes, step into things, try things and fail fast. So learn from what's wrong, fix it, and do it on a small scale. So it's kind of like pruning a rose. I tell people to do it in bite-sized chunks, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get overwhelmed with the whole task ahead. Just take little things at a time and start stepping through it and making sure that you're learning from your mistakes. And don't get get, discouraged when you make mistakes because they're going to happen. Mistakes are Mm -hmm. just going to happen. And you have to learn from them, make corrections, and keep moving forward. Yeah. So, it, you know, it might be just growing, you know, growing a different crop. It's it's all different. You know, there's there's similarities, but they're different. So start small, mm-hmm. grow it for fun the first year. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, we say that all the time. We say just like, you know, starting in small bits and, you know, trialing things, not growing like absolutely everything, get really good at what you're growing, um, you know, and then it gets you, you get to learn the business side of, of things too. And I, I think what you're saying about mistakes is something that it took me, it took me a while. I, I have a competitive personality. It's mostly competition with myself and you can beat me at mini golf all day long. I don't care, you know, but like it's the failing side for myself that I really struggled with. And so those early years were really helpful. And I, I said it on here before, but I like if I had lost 17,000 tulips in the spring, you know, four years ago, I think, I don't, I don't know how I would have weathered that, you know, but that we kind of, after you have some failures and it's hard, it can be difficult in farming because if we fail at a crop, we got a whole nother year to wait to figure mm-hmm. out how to hit that thing. Right. You know, but it's what you said is just learning from those. And I know, I know myself this, just this week, just yesterday and finished it up today is I've been walking around the field, making notes of what did I overplant? What would I do different in every area of our farm? I've gone through every field because when I sit down and I'm more refreshed in January and I'm, you know, sipping my coffee by the fire with my dog, I'm just going to think, oh, I overplanted in spring, but I'm not going to be able to dial that down. So it's like being able to have hard and fast notes to look back and be able to reflect from. But separating those mistakes from us sometimes is really difficult, right? Mm-hmm. To not use it as just like a whipping tool because we have, we're in the public eye and it's, you know, uh, it's difficult to make a mistake or mess something up when everybody's watching, right? It's hard to kind of make that as a, as a separation from, from your business, from yourself. Um, but yeah. So quick question, Ben, cause I'm just curious and I know we're, we're trying, we're doing something. Well, I think the baby steps allows you to do one very important step, which is oftentimes missed, which is actually listening to your customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, like truly giving them the opportunity to give you feedback on something that you're doing different. So I mean, we get a lot of feedback on our Instagram page. And a lot of times people are like, they want to go all in on something. And I think the baby steps is so important. So like, for example, this year, well, last year at one of our bigger festivals, people were asking us if we had pumpkins. And we didn't because it's not a flower. I'm like, come on, people can expect me to have pumpkins. But I'm like, okay, I had multiple people ask me that. I'm like, this is something, could it be a value add? And I know you talked about like the manure as a part of the roses. It's like, how are we like expanding and thinking different, like providing all the pieces and parts for our customers to have, in this case, what they see as like the perfect fall experience. Right. But for us, we're like, okay, well, we're just going to put some pumpkins in the ground. I don't know. Maybe we can do it. So now this year we're growing pumpkins just for fun, learning. We're already learning so much about them. Kids are super excited. It's just fun. But it'll be so fun to see the way customers are going to react to this. I can test pricing. Are they interested? What kinds are they interested in? It's so important. And we, a lot of people have this like all or nothing attitude and people – Every time I, when people ask, why do you think the farm was successful? I was truly, I just truly listened to my customers. They wanted more of something and I just gave them more the next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that's what you did with Heirloom Roses too. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we listen to our customers and then we also, we actively listen. Like we don't just listen for what they're asking for. We're, we're listening mm-hmm. for what kind of problems they're having that we can solve for them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what's their frustration? What's their pain point? What is it that they, they really want? 
what, you know, what kind of language are they using when they talk to us? And, and then, then, I, then I'll step back and I'll, and I'll listen to my team a lot on this. I'll talk to my customer service team and say, okay, what are people saying? What mm-hmm. do we need to be doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the common questions? And, uh, and then kind of start from there and start figuring those out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's such a gold, that's such a golden gold nugget right there of information. Cause that's, that right there is brilliant. Even for marketing to take their problem, you know, and you're solving their problem, whatever that mm-hmm. is from even a marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. a lot of marketing literature talks about finding, you know, solving your customer's problems. And, you know, for us, it could be just, they're having a stressful day or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, Shannon, I started, I was growing pumpkins this year too. You and did? I, I did. That's so, we never, ta- we never have talked about this. <laughs> so funny. You're saying that. The only difference is I managed to kill mine. So we just, Aww. we have a saying that just says next year and all year we've just been saying next yeah. year, we'll nail Aww. it next year. We'll nail it. So we, uh, I had, oh, I've got some cute varieties. I'll share varieties with you, yeah, although I can't yeah. do anything with about what I've done. But that's, that's sort of the same, you know, mm-hmm. rounding out that experience. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> so I, I think it's probably safe to say that everyone listening to this podcast has felt the emotional and mental toll of starting a business, you know, and then the fact that we're also our farming partner is Mother Nature just takes that stress level up just another notch. So talk to me, Ben, about like what strategies, you know, you use to manage just like the mental, emotional toll of running a business. And then how do you stay motivated during challenging times of running a business? Yeah, there's, and that's a, there's a lot to that. The farming aspect of it is I've learned to enjoy the seasonality of it. And the, you know, we're very seasonal. And so I've learned to figure out great vacations to take in November, <laughs> you know, and, and just enjoy when it's slow, because when it's going, when it's in the spring, it's all hands on deck and we're going. It's just it's just a lot to do. And I like to tell people of roses don't care. I tell my t- I tell my team that they're very beautiful, but they don't care when they want watered. They want watered. Yeah. And, you know, there's just when they need to be cared for. So there's it's just a demanding aspect of owning a, a nursery. One of the things is my wife and I don't live at the nursery. And so I come home at night and I have someone down there that lives and locks up at night and I provide him housing and it's a great thing for him. It's a good thing for me. And so uh, we're just very thankful for for the person that that goes through and closes up at night. And I get to, I get to leave yeah. it behind. You know, when our kids are younger, I would leave it behind and I'd go to a, a softball game or whatever it might be and, and be able to step away from work. Another oh, thing I do is... I, yeah. I turn my phone off on Sundays and I, I have a day when I shut things down and I don't, I don't look at, I don't look at any of the social media. I don't look at anything. And I, I actually have a flip phone and I f- call forward my phone, my calls to my <laughs> flip phone. If someone wants me, they can call me, but that's very, that doesn't anymore. I love that. So, and so <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a down day and I take a big nap and I, you know, I just spend time with family. As much as we are on social media, I don't have most of it on my phone either. I'm intentional about when I go look at it because it can just eat you up. Yes. And most of those problems can wait till the next day or the morning and uh, we can deal with them better that way anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just a sliver of an answer. You know, I can't overemphasize them. Like, I don't want to always talk about money because I don't want to think people think I don't care about flowers, but I'll tell you that money problems in a business will eat you up and they will destroy your family. Mm-hmm. And don't ever let that happen. 
just, mm -hmm. you know, be very intentional about that. Uh, get all after it as much work as hard as at, at that as you do other things and, and things will be a lot better. They get better quickly, actually, as you start getting mm -hmm. on a budget and, and, you know, eliminating debt, staying out of debt is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just in the, the season, just sorting through some stuff this season and uh, making some changes. I met with my a business coach just the last couple of weeks and I recognized an anxiety was that I really had kind of fallen behind in some of my personal routines and some of it was my uh, you know, my emotional stuff, right? Right. That the, the time off of work and creating, there were just some things that I had fallen off of. And also one of them was my accounting routine where I hadn't checked against my budget and, you know, I was doing it, but I wasn't doing it to the fullest extent that I had always been prior to. So I had this like month gap where I wasn't doing that routine. And I mean, that anxiety just went away once I had a clear picture of what was actually going on, because I was really making up a story in my mind about what everything looked like. And it, that wasn't the scenario. So it's like, mm -hmm. and I've shared this, I did a talk for ASCFG at the conference last year. And I shared where, you know, I learned the, the hard way because my expenses were outrageous. When I first started the farm, I worked a full-time job. And so how I solved a lot of the problems was I threw money at it, you know, so it, I was making money, but I was sending it right back out the door because I didn't have the time because I was still working full time to really dig into how to fix that problem without money. And so, or what was the actual problem? I didn't even know. And so I felt insecure because I went to school for horticulture. I didn't go to school for business or accounting. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I got a D in accounting. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it wasn't until I owned the business that I could actually make it practical and really understand it. So I, I would imagine that there's people that just feel insecure about it. They could be really good at growing flowers, but to dig into it. So if you are listening and you are feeling that way, I've been there um, and you will having it be your own business. You'll pull yourself. You'll learn the things you need to. But I, I completely agree, Ben. It's just it's absolute priority. And, and if you have a financial advisor that's making it more complicated and you don't understand it, it get someone else. It should be very simple. You 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 spend less than you make, and you put some away every month. Get that it'd be that simple about it when you stop. When you start start don't 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 get it overly complicated. Don't get a big chart of accounts and, and you know overcomplicate things. It's it, it's not, it won't make your life won't make your life better. Just make sure that you're being healthy and know where your money's going and keep mm -hmm. it real simple. The simpler you can keep it, the better. Even when you're a big business, you should do that. Just keep it real simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. When um, in February, when we started the Insiders, which is our group, our little membership group that we have, mm -hmm. um, we did a study on the book Profit First. And yeah. for me, it was amazing to see. And I have been there when we first started our business. And a lot of people are in that spot where they're the it's they feel like the easier route is to just have their head in the sand mm -hmm. and not knowing what what's going on, you know, with their finances. But in reality, we are so overcomplicating it. And Profit First teaches, you know, a way to budget. Are you familiar with the book? I uh, run my business that way. Oh, so. uh, no. we do too. Well, yeah, yeah, all of us. We do too. Yeah. The, the yeah. podcast yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it was really fun to see all the epiphanies happening with that because, you know, they make you do an assessment at the beginning of the book and we did that for them and they were like, oh my gosh, you know, it was, it's like horrifying and such a relief at the same time for people. So it was like really nice to see that transformation, but really it, it, we so overcomplicate it. It's me, it's, it's, I mean, it it is easy to overcomplicate if you open up QuickBooks and do not know accounting. It can feel very hard, but it really just gave them a basis to start making some financial decisions without, that's not just looking at their bank account balance. So Mm -hmm. it was really, it was really fun to see, to see that transformation for them. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. That's, that's an excellent book. It's a must read. Mm -hmm. We've had, I had uh, one of the insiders message me and say that she looks forward to the 15th or the 10th, is it 10th? Yeah, whatever the two distribution days. (laughs) The two distribution, 10th and 25th, um, that she looks forward to it now. And it's like this habit that you get into. And yeah, it just, it creates less anxiety because you just know where you stand with stuff. Yes. And you know, I, I know when I first, when I was looking at my expenses and then you'd have to pay sales tax and, you know, or I'm paying for these like weddings and stuff. I'm like, where is the money? <laughs> like, Where did it go? And now it's just, it just, you just know where it is. And it's, it's, uh, you have way less, you know, worry over that. And mm-hmm. you can feel like you can make really solid uh, business decisions based off of your finances. So, yeah. All right, guys, I'm hopping in here to talk to you about our sponsor, Heirloom Roses. So fall is the perfect time to prepare your garden or farm for next spring. We're already thinking about next season here on the podcast. Like we've got an upcoming episode to talk to you about spring of 2024 already in the works. So Heirloom Roses wants to help you get the most out of your growing season with their over 900 varieties of healthy own root roses. Plant your roses at least six weeks before the first frost to allow those plants to be firmly established before winter. With attentive watering during the warmer days, your roses will establish quickly, giving you cut roses before anyone else next spring. Okay, so here's what you need to do. Visit www.heirloomroses.com and take 20% off any roses for your fall planting with the code DIRT. That's valid now through October 31st, 2023. Let your own root roses sink their roots deep this fall and be rewarded with healthy, robust blooms in the early spring. Okay, one more time, guys. Visit www.heirloomroses.com today. 20% off of your new roses with the code DIRT at checkout. Man, goals to have somebody live live on our farms. Both of us do. We both live on our farms. Yeah. And, and I, you know, that's just, that's just, I, I'm blessed. I don't have to do that. Um, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's difficult. And I, you know, you know, you can, you can do things that are, I think you can do practical things. If I mean, you live on your farm, there, there's part of it, but, you know, mm-hmm. go out yeah. a separate door, you know, you know, close <laughs> the door to the office, you know, yeah. um, like there's just, there's just physical things you can do, even if you're there that are important. And it's kind of a, uh, a habit that you need to get into. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the best thing to do is, is tell your kids to hold you accountable. They love doing that. Like my kids, <laughs> if I say we're not going to talk about business and I start talking about business, they'll let me know. They're like all over it. So, you know, um, yeah, you don't need a board of directors. You just need your children to let you know. Let you know. Uh, really? <laughs> dysfunctional. Yeah, yeah. Um, so do you and your wife work together? Do you run the business together or? My wife, uh, my wife doesn't work in the business for a while. We, for quite a while, we were homeschooling our children. 
And then she had another business on the side that she was doing a consulting business. But we're always, but we own the business together. And I would say she's like an active board member. We don't have a board of directors, but she's active. We talk about big problems. We talk about big opportunities. And like I said, once a week, we we go through finances together. We're at events together. Mm -hmm. So she's very much, everyone knows her at at, at our company. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we kind of talked about the balance of demands for business and your personal family life. So I know you mentioned transparency. So Mm -hmm. when you say that, do you mean like financial transparency? Uh, In in, in my family life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we know where we're at once a Mm -hmm. week finances. Okay. Uh, And and I'm very transparent with my employees as well. I, I sit there and I show them. It's, it's, it's kind of, it, it was odd at first, but I just thought, you know what, it's it, from a, from a religious perspective, it's like, I, it's God's money and I'm a steward of it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to show it. I just, I just tell my employees where we're at. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes they're surprised. They're like, wow, you, we made this, that's all we have left over after taxes. And I go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's this good. It's just easier that yeah. way. Yeah, I was listening to another podcast that was talking about the transformation that they had in their business when they started sharing their finances with the employees. And I could not wrap my head around what that would mean for the business, like like just trying to get their buy-in more. And it was really interesting. And I was actually going to talk to Lindsay about this because, mm-hmm. because I, we're debating on doing that. So I guess, mm-hmm. do you mind if I ask you a, a question? Like what what yeah. level of finances do you share? We, we, I share everything except I don't share salaried information. Right. That, okay. You know, that, sure. You know, uh, there's a few people I have, you know, I, there's a few people that know all the salaries, mm-hmm. you know, for people mm-hmm. like that, but I don't share information like that where it's going to hurt feelings or people are going yeah. to you know, be a problem. But I, right down to the, to how much cash we have on hand, how much we need okay. to have go, to go through the winter, all of that. We do. We talk about all of it. Okay. So like and the then, profit and, and loss yeah. or the, Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. And, yep. What, and what we're and what we need to invest. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a big piece of equipment. Equipment's expensive, you know, oh, you, you, yes. you buy used equipment, but even used equipment's expensive. And so we'll talk mm-hmm. about that and, mm-hmm. uh, and they get it. And I think, I think they appreciate it. I think they feel more secure and I mm-hmm. quite frankly, they feel respected. Yeah. You know, I have a lot of respect for my employees. I hire really good people. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what they think. And so if they think I'm doing something wrong, I want to hear about it because I because I have a lot of respect for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. There's a good book called The Great Game of Business. Have you ever read mm-hmm. that book? Yeah. And it's, Shan, you would like that book. Oh, it's, I uh, that. It, So it, it talks, it, it aligns right with what we're talking about. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it shows basically how to get buy-in with your employees and it, mm-hmm. it takes that fear away of showing them the expenses. Mm-hmm. And I probably do a blended version of it, but, you know, I have, you know, Emily, the, who edits this podcast, you know, runs with my QuickBooks and, and helps with that. And, and I had uh concern early, you know, if we're doing a, a big mother's day event or we do a big uh, sunset, you pick and, you know, they can do the math on, 300 people times however many they pick plus shirts plus you know and it's but so they're only getting part of the picture Mm -hmm. and by showing them all of that they get to see how much it is for compost and and tulips and 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 weight in payroll and so i have tried to make effort to do that because i do Mm -hmm. think it helps helps everybody be on the same page and i think they're making decisions in a way of like 
how could, oh, that could save us money, right? That would be a quicker way to do that. That's their mindset of Mm -hmm. of, uh, a way to save money. And my, my employees are so great from the saving money side, but also like to help with generate some ideas. Mm -hmm. One of the, this is just a sidebar, but we're looking at uh, how do we combine like two workshops on one day? So Mm -hmm. I free up my schedule a little bit more Mm -hmm. to give me a little bit more time off. Do we Mm -hmm. run two of those kids workshops? You know, do we crank out six and three days versus six and Mm -hmm. six days? You know, so yeah, I'm just trying to figure out Mm -hmm. out that piece, but very cool. So I, I know you don't work every day, day in and day out with your spouse, but ju- my husband and I work, we're full-time in our business. So we literally together 24 hours a day, <laughs> which is a good thing. It's a good thing. So I guess what, what other things do you do? Like, I guess what tips would you give people if they are like working with their spouse or, you know, getting the buy-in or running those ideas past as far as, you know, being respectful and what, what are the boundaries that you have there when you're working with your significant other? Yeah, I think, you know, we have we we certainly are on the business together but there's also certain types of problems that are just mine to manage and they're not hers and there's certain when she's in the business there's certain parts aspects that are hers to manage and they're not mine and so mm-hmm. we try to be very explicit about when we're talking about those so if i'm if i'm talking out an employee problem mm-hmm. i'm not necessarily asking her to fix my the the problem it's it's mine to fix but I need someone to talk to. And, and, you know, as the owner of a business, you don't have anyone else to talk to. Like you can, there's just very few people to talk to. So, Mm -hmm. you know, try to be explicit about what we're talking about. And sometimes we'll start into a conversation. We got to stop and go, okay, what are we talking about here? (laughs) Are you just just having a bad day and you just need to vent this out or, you know, or like, I, I, like I, I'll tell her like, She'll, ha- she'll ask me sometimes business questions at eight o'clock at night. And I go, I can't talk about business at night. Like after <laughs> seven, if, if my mind gets going on something, I won't sleep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'll, I'll go, it's just like, it, I, I can't do it. Like mm-hmm. if it's important, it's got to wait till tomorrow. So, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Clear, clear communication. I think that that's always yeah. for the win. Yeah. So. I always like to ask the crystal ball question, but does, what do you see for the future of our industry? Just agriculture, because you're you're in the cut flower world, just in a different, I think, mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah. And and how do you like you know? So what do you see for the future of our industry, and just how do you plan to stay ahead of the curve in years to come? Yeah. So um, you know, COVID repositioned and refocused people to being in in their yards, and I think what they're they're seeing is that they're they're interacting with something that's real. Uh, you know, plants are real and they give, they're much better than a phone and they're much better than social media. They actually give you, you know, you can see, see it. I, so uh, you, we've seen a younger group of people. Our, our demographic has shifted quite a bit. Uh, we're seeing quite a few more people in their twenties to forties that are, that are getting serious about gardening. Mm-hmm. People are wanting things that are traditional and they're wanting things that they can interact with inside their house as well as outside their house. So I, I, I you know, I, we might be coming up on a recession or I, I like to say a correction. I don't think that that's going to affect the, the farming industry and particularly the flower business as much as it would have. Because I think what people are seeing is this is not something they're willing to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be strong. I do think that you're going to see a stronger, much more e-commerce focused 
uh, business. Uh, Amazon is restructuring mm -hmm. its platform and I've, I like plants a lot. And so I buy other stuff, you know, and so mm -hmm. I'm geeking out on some stuff and I'm amazed what I'm finding on Amazon. It's not the greatest platform, but it's that, that's an indicator that, uh, online retail for plants and cut flowers is a big deal. And, huh. uh, it's, it's people at the very least people need to know that they need to have their Google space and their, their, their location and everything findable and all of those things, which probably most people do, but I'm always surprised at some still. So I think it's going to, I think it's going to remain strong, even in the face of maybe some slowdowns and other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like that outlook on it. I, I just read that in 2023 and they're predicting more in 2024 that it's i think 23 they're saying 12.5 billion dollars is spent on experience experiential agriculture or just mm -hmm. like it's that what you're echoing this agritourism piece and just people wanting to connect and be outside and i think covid really did reignite that in a lot of people mm -hmm. um i wish i would have bought stock and tractor supply during covid because <laughs> <laughs> they went through the roof because of just that exact thing you're talking about. So I do, I do think the industry is is bright for us. I don't feel I don't feel fear over what we're doing. We I know we sell a we say we sell like kind of a luxury item in some ways. Like we don't we are not selling vegetables. We're not, you know you don't have to have our product. But um, I think it's it is what makes people feel good. Uh, I think mm -hmm. we sell a um, a really a really feel good product you know, create a lot of experience, good, positive memories for people too, with what we do. So oh, that's great. Ben. is there any final thoughts, anything you want to share with us before we wrap it up? Anything we didn't hit on? Um, boy, I can't think of anything right now. I, uh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll be sure to share, tell people where they can, they can find you guys. I know you're, we'll, we'll link all of your, we'll link your website and your Instagram yeah. and everything on here, yeah. but share with them just a little bit about how they can find you. Uh, we have 900 varieties of roses on our website. It's awesome place wow. to lose all the time. Mm -hmm. yes. And so it's heirloomroses.com and uh, you can search by all different fragrance, color, size, all of that. All roses grown on their own route. We ship them all over the United States. And uh, there's a lot of unique things in there that would do really well in a cut flower garden. Um, I think mm -hmm. you would, uh, they, they will serve you well and we would love to serve you as a grower and help you get started. Wonderful. Very well, cool. this Thank is great. I so appreciate you giving us your time today mm -hmm. and being able to chat with you and get to meet you too. It's been very, it's been very nice for us as well. This is great. I appreciate your time and this has been fun. Okay, guys, we have something really exciting that we're doing now through the end of August. So we're looking for some podcast reviews. If you can give us some extras, um, extra love over in the review section, wherever you listen. So Spotify, Apple, anywhere that you can leave us a review, all you have to do is take a screenshot and send us an email at chat at the dirt on flowers.com and let us know that you left a review. And from there, you will receive, we're going to pick a winner. Okay. And by the end of August, we will announce the winner and you will get a free month of the insiders. So head on over there and leave us a review. Tell us what you guys are loving. We'd love to hear from you that way. So we hope you love this episode and gain so much knowledge and inspiration. Hit the subscribe button so you get a notification every Friday when a new episode is ready for you. And head on over to Instagram too at Dirt on Flowers. Let us know what you want to hear. We get a ton of feedback over there and it really does give us 
so many good ideas for you. We have a whole bunch of really cool stuff coming and all the ideas came from you guys. Okay, guys, thanks so much for being here. It's so cool that we get to ride along with you um, as you grow your businesses. So we'll see you at the same time, same place next week. 